millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Pinakamalapit na pagkakataon na maaari magkaroon ng paglabag sa karapatan pantao yung naging banta na maaari silang maaresto kung hindi nila sundin yung quarantine measure. One thing that many have asked about but has not been discussed a lot within this period of emergency are our rights. What happens to our rights when there is a lockdown? Can government simply just cancel them out? Where do we find our rights? That is what we want to talk about in this episode. I'm Ted Te, former Supreme Court spokesperson and now back teaching law at the University of the Philippines, the Ateneo de Manila, and the De La Salle University. And you're listening to Te Talks, where we talk about all things law and government. Our episode, The Bill of Rights During Emergencies. This is part 3 of an ongoing series on the national emergency arising from the COVID-19 pandemic. As we discussed last episode, Congress has passed an emergency powers law granting the President 31 broad powers for three months, with wide-ranging implications on economic benefits, travel, and the exercise of freedoms. What does this mean for us? Let's call back from our previous episode, Professor Dan Gatmaitan and Professor Gwen Devera to talk to us about the Bill of Rights during emergencies. Hi Dan, hi Gwen, welcome back. Hi, good afternoon. This is Gwen Devera. I'm a senior lecturer at the UP College of Law. Dante Gatmaitan, Professor, UP College of Law. Maybe I'll start with definitions. Uh, Bill of Rights. What, what is it? Why is it important? Um, the Bill of Rights, uh, at least under our constitution, can be found within the text itself, unlike in other jurisdictions. And the simplest way that I can put it is, uh, these are the set of rights which are so basic um, and integral uh, for us. We consider them to be personal rights, except for maybe one. Um, and for they really belong to individuals, um, and they have been largely protected, particularly for the minority in society. Dan? Um, I just want to emphasize that the, the Bill of Rights is uh, in the Constitution precisely to balance uh, the terms of uh, governance, no? because we have, with the same document, given the government so much power, there are certain rights and um, 
that can only be curtailed under uh, very, very strict uh, conditions. There have been emergency measures before, power, water, lawless violence, rebellion. But the current reality, the virus is a different you know, thing. This is global. This is something that, well, cannot be well, legislated in terms of how you stop it. How do we reconcile the need to continue protecting our rights under the Bill of Rights with measures that need to be drastic and urgent? Or is there a need to do that? For me, there's a continuing need to be very much aware of the importance of protecting those rights regardless mm. of the gravity of the situation mm. that we face. Uh, because if we approach it any differently, then I think that opens a floodgate to right. possible abuses. Because the rights are not absolute. Mm. They are subject to certain exceptions and limitations as well. And certainly public safety, public health are recognized as exceptions or we've seen them as exceptions in the past. So I think we need to look at measures, how responsive those measures can be, what impact they may have uh, particular, on particular rights. Uh, for example, now we're seeing an impact. The most obvious is our mobility. Of course, they've later made an exception, mm. uh, but generally all Filipinos cannot leave, leave the country. We have to calibrate whether the limitations are, are within uh, the bounds of the constitution and the existing laws. Okay, Dan? Okay, <clears throat> I was asking a question. So I can see the, the government trying to justify this emergency outside the emergency powers of the president. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to say it, fall, it would fall under something like the residual powers. Right? That, that, that's how they're going to do it because it's, it's a different uh, threat and yes. it's moving really fast. Yeah, Dan, I'm glad you mentioned residual powers because I was about to ask that. Can you give us a very quick definition or understanding of what that means and how that would you know, be relevant to us right now? Okay, ang uh, residual powers, I think, came from a Supreme Court decision, yung uh, Marcos versus Manglapos, mm -hmm. when... Uh, when Marcos wanted to return to the Philippines and uh, President Aquino, Corazon Aquino, and, uh, refused to, to let him and his family return. Ang challenge doon was, you know, the Marcos family was fighting the right to return to the Philippines, all you know, the rights in the, in the Bill of Rights. At ang, ang ultimately, what the Supreme Court said there was that the President's powers ay, are, are not all listed you know, in, the, in the Constitution. So, mm -hmm. there are residual powers based on, on you know, um, the larger provisions of the Constitution that the President must be able to make sure that laws are followed. Ngayon, medyo hindi masaya lahat ng tao dun, I remember. Mm -hmm. Kasi it's the kind of ruling that can be uh, abused. Eh. That's right. If it's not defined in the Constitution, then they can use it. They can just keep on citing residual powers uh, to, to do pretty much everything. I think the government knows this and that's why it's trying to find a justification for for the things that they're doing you arrest if you resist and uh, 
checkpoint. They're not sure what the justification could be, and that's why their their response keeps on changing from day to day. But at least I think I, I look at that as a, a recognition on their part that they cannot simply arrest people without some kind of a legal basis, which is good. That's comforting that at the very least they're trying to look for a legal justification for any such measures. Yes, I think okay. so. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's go to let's go to the specific measures. Uh, right now, it's an enhanced uh, community quarantine. Basically, uh, you know those terms are new, but there are specific actions that have already been uh, subject of this enhanced community quarantine. Maybe just run through them, you know, very quickly one by one, and then maybe you know give us your your take. For example, we've already mentioned uh, restriction of travel. To and from Metro Manila, pwede bang purely executive to? Kailangan meron kang batas uh, na pagbabasihan nung kaunamang ban sa travel. But more recently, I think our Supreme Court has offered guidance by saying that the right to travel, one, is not absolute. And number two, there are recognized exceptions. So among the exceptions, according to the court, are constitutional exceptions, which is what we find in the language of the Constitution, um, statutory, and inherent. So one of the examples that had been given of inherent is, for example, the legislature, if they compel someone to attend by way of a subpoena. Uh, that's actu- that actually has an impact on one's mobility, and that's considered as an inherent limitation based on the court's understanding of the right to travel. And again, like in explaining residual power to us, when what is an inherent limitation was explained, it seemed to be broad rather than narrow. So it is still possible to justify the limitation that has been imposed on mobility as inherent uh, in terms of the response to the spread of the disease. We're not trying to stop you from moving about, but moving about is what causes the disease to spread. So we're trying to address that, and that's why this type of limitation has been put in place. One other aspect of that, of course, is the imposition of a curfew from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. And immediately, there was an uproar over it saying that the national government, the president, does not have the power to impose that. It has to be imposed by the local government units. Dan, you teach, aside from constitutional law, you also teach local government law uh, in relation to the curfews, which when mentioned uh, have been enacted by practically all of the local governments in Metro Manila. I'll mention that. I think the the uproar has another legal, uh, another reason. Because I think it was the MMDA that started announcing they were going to curfew, and that's the other problem there, right? Because the the MMDA doesn't exercise police powers, so uh, they can only do what the local governments tell them to do. And without a a, a curfew. Uh, some people think that it cannot implement any kind of a curfew. But the principle in that the, the smart decision is is uh, can be can be carried over. Um, if you have 
an ordinance that curtails the right to travel, then it cannot be so broad that it infringes on your other rights. The reason why the government is going to argue that uh, it has the, the president has this power. Mm. Uh, you know, kasi yun ang sinasabi ka with residual power doctrine. Ang sasabihin nila, president has to make sure na hindi kumalat yung virus. And if we do it the normal way, we, we might have different ordinances and uh, it will make things even more difficult. Let's go to another one. And this this one medyo a little bit sensitive. Because at the very start, there was a prohibition on mass gatherings, regardless of size. Ang immediate na reaction nito was, would be the religious... Sector. Is there anything wrong if this ordered by government? For me, it didn't say you cannot gather for the sake of gathering. It did say that we are trying to address a particular health situation. Malawang makakalusutin yung gobyerno dito eh. Kasi sabihin nila na we're not restricting your right to exercise your religion. Uh, we're trying to address a public health matter that's merong incidental restriction by banning large uh, congregations. Sasabihin nila, the fact is you can still exercise your freedom kasi you can do it online. We can hear mass online now. Now let's zero in on the order to arrest people who are found to violate the quarantine. Gwen, ano nga ba ang mga karapatan na pinag-iingatan natin ngayon? Pinakamalapit na pagkakataon na maari magkaroon ng paglabag sa karapatan pantao, yung naging banta na maaari silang maaresto kung hindi nila sundin yung quarantine measure. Ang ibig sabihin kasi noon, kung arestohin sila, ibig sabihin sila din ay ma- mahahainan ng kasong kriminal. Ang gabay na binigay ng Department of Justice ay uh, maaari lamang kayo arestohin kung meron kayo nalabag o lalabagin ng batas habang kayo ay nandoon sa mga checkpoint. Halimbawa, may isa dumaan ng checkpoint, pero nakitaan po kasi siya ng uh, illegal na droga. So, maaari ngayon po siyang arestohin dahil doon sa kanyang pagdala ng illegal na droga, hindi dahil na, na halimbawa ay hindi siya dapat lumabas dahil wala naman siyang dalang patunay na essential work yung kanyang gagawin or kasama siya doon sa mga exception the other really big concern is arrest. And if I'm not mistaken, the latest pronouncement na I is, I think the DOJ said, you can arrest even if you're not resisting. Earlier I said that they seem to be grappling for a legal basis for arresting people. And while that's encouraging, it's also disheartening because they cannot find one. <laughs> they cannot find a, a, a concrete basis. Everything they're citing, I think, can be challenged. We have rules in relation to when an arrest may be made without a warrant. In fact, an arrest may be even by a private person. Mahirap lang kasi yung sitwasyon nung kay Senator Pimentel dahil nakocompare siya dun sa mga halimbawa na uh, may mga alleged quarantine violation na nangyayari, for example, at checkpoints. His act of uh, whether there ought to be criminal prosecution against him. And there are a number of laws that he had uh, violated, including yung RA-11332, in notifiable disease. Very quick lang. 
as part of the measures dun sa community ex expanded enhanced community quarantine the PCOO required media to be accredited comments mm -hmm. on that kasi nga ang pag pagtiningin mo siya sa immediate context ng preservation of public health and we're trying to stem the spread of the disease para it's parang andaling ipaliwanag ng mga restrictions sa uh, number of people who are going to congregate um, um, and your mobility kasi nga ay, hindi pala natin napag-usapan din yung social distancing because now it's uh, this whole thing is supposed to be based on social distancing but that hasn't really been uh, sort of explained in terms of the medical basis or the medical background and why this is the appropriate sort of regulatory response. So those are the things that we're sort of uh, discussing and then the impact din nga sa, uh, sa media. But having said that, I just wanted to add, kasi baka makalimutan ko, um, I really appreciate what Prof. Dan mentioned, yung sinabi niya na if this has to be litigated, then it should. Um, I, I failed to mention that uh, earlier um, kasi nauna kong banggitin yung nagbago din ng operating hours yung ating mga institutions. Uh, but our institutions are present, uh, although they have modified hours. And despite the difficulty of the situation, we should not sort of set aside uh, any doubt that we may have in terms of the constitutionality or legality of the actions that the government is taking. So whether it happens now or sometime later when things settle, not necessarily natapos na yung health crisis, um, I think uh, these questions should be um, discussed either in our courts or in our agencies, um, not only so that they can be resolved, but because I think our institutions should be tested under these circumstances. And my hope is because we do have the constitution and we do have laws in place that if our institutions will observe what is in the constitution and our laws, that they will prove uh, themselves to have the capability to address this challenge. Great. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Well, in the press, I think if it has the... As I'm problem, I, 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 I was listening to the press con, as they were saying na pending naman daw yung mga, mga application and they, you know, it, it sounded like it's a routine accreditation. But if it has the effect of excluding uh, certain members of the media, then baka magkaroon ng, uh, ng legal issue. Uh, I mean, may accreditation now naman talaga sa, sa coverage sa Malacanang, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So, by itself, it's not unconstitutional. But it can be, uh, can be used uh, uh, unconstitutionally. If it, results where, in, yeah, if it results in discrimination, for example. Yes, yes. Do you want to oh. tell us your position? <laughs> I, I share your position. By itself... Oh, okay. It looks benign, but yes. once it is applied, and if it is applied indiscriminately or it results in, you know, in discrimination, meaning exclusion without basis, 
yes. then it then it becomes unconstitutional. Yes. Yeah. All right. This has been a very interesting uh, conversation. So, feeling ko baka hindi biting hule. Gwen, thank you, Dan. Maraming salamat. Thank you, Gwen, Dan. Thank ingat you. po, ingat. Thank you, ingat kayo. Stay safe. Salamat, salamat. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Again, this is Ted Te, reminding everyone to stay at home and take care of your health. This episode is powered by Puma Podcast. Listen to TED Talks on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was produced by Kat Ventura and edited by Nico Bolante with help from Mark Casillian. Special thanks to Francis N. Thank you for listening.